0: You need indeed.
1: What is up, Rotar Grinders? I'm Dean hosting the Best Ball Hot Take Show uh, edition number three and number four. Check it on the YouTube. You guys can find that in the Rotar Grinders page. Shouldn't be too difficult. Uh that said, usual suspects batting first, leading off, fresh off the uh the softball field, I believe. Nicely tanned. It's Chris Prince. You guys know him as Beer Makers fan. What's up, Beer? How
2: much, buddy? Uh, like I said, softball has uh, taken over my life. My daughter plays travel softball, so that's been a lot of practice, a lot of tournaments crammed into a, a short time, but still time to study up the hot takes for best ball for season long, uh, hopefully DFS. Hopefully we have a football season. I'm going with, yes, we're going to have one uh, and ready to roll, ready to talk some uh, some teams and some hot takes here today What my boy Jemino.
1: Yeah, Jamino, under the assumption, if we don't have a football season, just forget all this. This is all nonsense. It doesn't matter, and we have bigger issues to deal with. But, uh, Jamino, we're going to assume that we're, there's a football season coming up. Uh, of course, you guys know Jamino Harrisburg, man at RG, uh, ownership, projection de jour, uh, former XFL guru. Jamino, what's going on?
3: I'm getting ready for the storm, Dean. We got all kinds of sports coming back next week, and it is going to be a party. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've been talking about that a while on the Twitter. That's a whole other storm. It's not worth getting into, I suppose. But, um, yeah, we're going to have baseball, uh, theoretically. We're going to have baseball, football, basketball. Uh, golf will still be going on. I'm MMA, which I've been playing as well, too. And I'm sweating golf lineups as well. But this is all about hot takes. It's about football. We're going to feature five teams today, five teams that have at least one player that are kind of, I don't know, lightning rods. You know, people have strong opinions as far as whether they being drafted right now in best ball, whether they're taking them too early, whether they're taking him too late. Uh, that said, Jimino, we're going to start with the Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin Cook. Of course, the situation with Cook is like he's talking about holding out. Uh, not a lot of leverage there as far as holding out. So we don't know if he is. We don't know if he isn't. And we don't know how much that matters depending on where he's being drafted. I'm going to start with you, Jimino. And, and remember, this is the hot take show. I don't want a lukewarm take as far as uh, Dalvin Cook. Give me something scalding.
3: I'm not going to draft him that much in the top of the draft this year, Dean couple of reasons that we've already talked about one of them, you know, there's a little bit of a contract situation. I don't expect that to eventually be the reason why I'm going to be shying away from Dalvin cook just at the top. If he falls down the, the round, obviously you can take anyone for the right price, but at the tippy top of this draft, I mean, you've got a guy who is playing on a team that has a relatively weak offensive line. I mean, they're, they're decent at zone blocking, but other, you know, for the most part, it's not the most amazing offensive line that you can find role security wise is a big deal. You know if I'm paying top dollar for a running back I want to have both some upside and some role security I don't know that you're going to get either one of those things with Dalvin in a true sense you've got uh you know Madison behind him who could certainly take away some opportunity if he's got an injury history that reoccurs like we've seen you know 2017 ACL Terry hamstring issues several times I mean this is an individual who is not the easiest to keep on the field and then to boot you can draft players at his similar price point who I think are just as explosive, upside wise, have more role security, like Alvin Kamara. I even, you know, you can make a good case for for like Derrick Henry or Joe Mixon as guys you would want to take over a Dalvin Cook, who I do like as a player, a very explosive athlete, you know, someone who could definitely, you know, play the big time RB one fantasy role that we want. But at the end of the day, I'm just sort of shying away. I don't think that that's the player that I want to take if I have all those options at my disposal.
1: Yeah. So beer, we were talking pre-show and some of the drafts you're in and he's being drafted all over the place. Uh, you know, with, I guess somewhere in the first all the way up to early in the second or so you can speak to that as well. And how about yourself? When do you feel comfortable if at all, or just, he's already gone. once your comfort level hits uh, as far as drafting cook. Oh, so this is hot takes. I'd love to disagree with Jamino here, just so we could argue, but
2: I'm in lockstep here. I mean, I love the player but can you really count on him to play 16 games? And I know I don't play this game uh, going in thinking my guys are going to get injured, but you have to still factor that in, especially when you're taking somebody inside the top five. And unfortunately it's a big factor here with Dalvin cook. So as far as drafts go, I still see him go inside that top five. I've seen him fall mid to late first. Uh, It doesn't really fall much further than the early second. I don't think the panic meter has gotten to that extreme level yet, but he doesn't have much leverage here. And then they're not that far off. Uh, in the numbers, you know, they offer 10, he wants 13. Uh, you got to think, especially with Derrick Henry, just signing kind of sets a new bar that they can find a middle ground here, but uh, losing a year of, of, of you know, not, not being able to accrue that year towards free agency, uh, not being able to hand the fines back. There's a lot of different things uh, that go against him. So I do think he'll report if he's there, he's healthy. Yes. He's a top five guy, but there's guys I'd rather have. You guys know, I love Joe Mixon. I, I've gushed about him. On this show, I'm with Jamino. I think Alvin Kamara bounces back, and I think Alexander Madison is really going to be a threat here. Why not utilize multiple backs? We've seen a lot of teams go to this where they're using multiple pieces. I think Madison's going to have a bigger role than people realize. So I would much rather wait, take Madison, who gives you some standalone value, and then if something happens to Cook, now you're talking about a league winner. So at current prices, I'm passing. If the public starts to panic and Dalvin Cook's falling – Late first, early second. Of course, I'm going to gobble them up. But fourth, fifth pick, I'd rather go Kamara, Mixon, guys like that. I feel a little bit better about.
1: What about Michael Thomas?
2: You want Michael Thomas or you want Cook? I tend to go – I'll go Thomas there. I tend to go running back early. I, I would go Mixon over Thomas. Uh, but uh, right now, as it stands, I'll go Thomas over Cook. Chubb. Still going Dalvin. Uh, you know, we just talked about Madison being a being a guy that has that standalone value. And Kareem Hunt is, is in the same camp, a guy that's going to give you points weekly. Something happens to Chubb, he takes over. Now you're talking about a guy you probably would have drafted in the first round if that was the scenario. So Chubb, great back, doesn't offer a lot in the passing game. And then Cook, uh, much more involved in the passing game. So I'll, I'll go Cook over Chubb. Do you, mean, do you agree with those?
3: Yeah, basically, you know, again, it's it's more about – the price you have to pay for cook at the, at the top. And I think that's probably the price you're going to be asked to pay more often than not. I mean, I saw plenty of people in the Scott fishbowl taking him down towards the back end of round number one. And I think you can make some arguments for guys like Chubb and some other guys having equal problems down in that range. But just when you talk about paying the big time draft capital, I'm just not that interested.
1: You have any big takeaways from the Scott fishbowl? I know you drafted there. I mean, the big takeaway I have
3: is my draft is still going, so I don't. I'm, I'll <laughs> let you know when I'm done. Somebody's milking that clock. <laughs> they're Name thinking names, about Tomito. it. Name they're names. thinking about it. They are carefully
1: studying. It's round twenty, and they're still contemplating. Well, that's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> you have a takeaway beer as far as the uh, Scott Fish or Anything? Are you still? Are you still on the clock or now?
2: Yeah, we're in round 21 or 20. You know, you're just throwing darts at this point. You know, if you're looking at any lists or ADPs, like you should have thrown that out the window a long time ago. But uh, same takeaways as last time. Just really surprised that, you know, some of the value at the wide receiver position gets pushed down the board with it being super flex, uh, tight end premium. So some good names uh, really available in those middle rounds. And, you know, when you get to round seven, eight, nine in any kind of draft, Start taking your guys. I think people, you know, fall slave to lists and ADPs and you know, listen to so many people telling them, just go get your guys. Who do you like? Don't worry about ADP. ADP is average draft position. It doesn't mean it's where you have to take them. Just have an understanding of what everyone else is doing. So Scott Fishbowl, always a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully wrapping it up here soon because I'm running out of darts to throw.
1: All right, Beer. Uh, let's say hypothetically Cook gets hurt. Madison becomes a top blank running back going forward. Top 10. I I have the same concerns about this
2: offensive line, but it's also a team that wants to run the ball, win with defense. I don't don't think they're going to be winging the ball over the field. I do like Adam Thielen to bounce back this season, but outside of that, Kyle Rudolph, we've seen subpar at best. I'm a big Irv Smith guy, but uh, just not a team that's going to throw the ball a ton. And then Justin Jefferson uh, stepping in who I like, but we have to worry about rookies, especially wide receivers with no training camp, maybe no preseason games. We're down to two. That could be zero by the time we get down to things. So a lot of concerns with that passing game. I think Madison can be a top 10 back. We've seen him look good in the opportunities he's been given. When Cook's healthy, he puts up numbers. So as average to bad as that offensive line is, it's still a team uh, that can put numbers up on the ground.
1: Yeah, Jameen, same question regarding uh, the hypothetical of Cook getting hurt, uh, the thoughts as far as Madison going forward. And, uh, you know, opportunity is king, right? More so with running back than receiver. Some guys just exercise, as Rebar would say. But uh, Jefferson steps right in with Diggs being out. Your thoughts on Jefferson?
3: Yeah, I think my concerns are about the same as Beers as far as, you know, rookies in 2020. Not not every single one of them is going to just get asked to play, like, a massive, massive role. Of course, the Vikings, they don't really have a, a lot of great depth at the position. So you can make an argument that he's almost for sure going to be involved. Ola Johnson, Chad Beebe, Tajay Sharp, these are not names that give you pause as compared to a player like Jefferson coming out of the draft here with a high pick. So I do expect him to be on the field pretty early. I do expect him to be involved. But again, the offense, you know, maybe not supporting two legit studs, especially if they end up being, becoming one dimensional late in games. If that defense doesn't play well, like they've got strong safeties, but you know, the line, you know, the linebacker core has to continue to play well. The sec, the cornerback position is certainly an issue if they end up not being a dominant defense and they're, you know, they're asked to basically say, okay, we're going to take away Thiel and make Justin Jefferson beat us. I don't know if I like that matchup in year number one. So it's, it's not like just a lot. This guy's going to step on the field and just start beating everybody. I mean, he, he absolutely has to have some favorable conditions as well. And I'm just not so sure the Vikings are going to be a team that's going to be dominating people in the way we've seen in years past.
1: Jimeno, sell me on the, uh, the sexiness of Kirk Cousins. Nobody wants well, Kirk Cousins, there. right?
3: There isn't any. He's got his warts. He can definitely have good games. And I think that the the situation in fantasy drafts this season is that you're going to be able to get him fairly cheaply. I just, I don't know that the offense presents upside for him to just absolutely explode and win the draft for you by himself. But as a late round quarterback option, he's certainly going to be someone you can plug in there every now and then and get some value. Uh, this is overall not the type of offense that I want to be making sure that I get tons and tons of, especially not at the wide receiver position beyond Thielen. But for Cousins' sake, you know, late-round quarterback is always something that I'm going to gravitate towards, and I do think that he there
1: are worse quarterback picks in the draft. He feels like one of the safer ones, but also doesn't have the ceiling that other guys may have. Uh, that's sort of my thought. What, what do you think, Beer?
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he Scott Fishbowl, he was a good pick where you could get him because the the, the completion percentage is always going to be up there, 65, 70. Uh, low seventies percent, so he fits well uh, in a two quarterback system like that. But about as unsexy as it gets uh, with Kirk <laughs> Cousin, I, th- I think his biggest highlight is the uh, you, you got what did he say that the, you, you like, like that, that? <laughs> you like that 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 was his his best highlight. So steady, solid, you know, a, qu- a quarterback too in a, in a multi quarterback league, but uh, not a guy I'm I'm going out and getting, especially in best ball. You want some sort of spike weeks in there. He just doesn't really offer a lot of upside. He's steady. You definitely want some floor, but uh, not a guy that I'm seeking out.
1: Uh, Where's Irv Smith for you, Beer, uh, as far as tight ends? Uh, 20, 25 overall? Unfortunately, he's uh, in purgatory with Kyle
2: Rudolph still. Them resigning Kyle Rudolph was really a head-scratcher. I thought he would move on. Irv Smith would take over and uh, really start to blossom. So, he has put up some solid numbers. He is still an ascending guy, but... Again, in a, in a run-heavy offense, with Dillon dominating the targets, how much is really left for Irv Smith. So it falls behind that group for me, uh, the Hayden Hurst, Kasekis guys that we seem to talk about uh, every single week. But when you get down below that group, he's kind of an upside pick in, in the Eric Ebron-type mold, where I do think you'll get a couple spike weeks. Not a guy I want to depend on as my tight end
1: one, but if he's my second, third guy, I'm okay with that. Jamino, you have any hot takes as far as the Minnesota tight end situation? <laughs>
3: A finger on the trigger of Irv, Irv Smith, right? Like, I, like I'm just waiting for the moment to pull it. Is it the 2020 NFL fantasy draft season? Is this, is this the time where I want to be out ahead of everybody? I definitely want to be ahead of people on this. Uh, but with him being tight end number two, you're basically asking for him to be more of a wide receiver, which they could do. I mean, they could play a lot of two tight end sets and they could be, they could try to utilize him heavy in the passing game. That could be something that they look to try to do, but he's he's just not that incredible. He's like, you know, you ideally want him to have consolidated opportunity to really, really fall in love with him. I don't think that that's what we're going to see in 2020. But like I said, I have my finger on that trigger. I'm I'm, I'm sort of waiting for the opportunity. Maybe it's DFS this season, but it's probably not
1: going to be a ton in ball. Jamina, let's open the Rams up unless you have uh, – anyone have some closing thoughts as far as the Vikings. But uh, Jared Goff, another player that – you know, people seem very divisive on him. Uh, do we have a hot take as far as Goff, or are going to yield to beer on that one?
3: I'm very concerned about the Rams. I don't think their <laughs> roster looks that good uh, overall. I mean, they you know they they've certainly got some wide receivers that people know the names of. The offensive line is definitely a concern for them. Goff himself a concern, you know, as far as playing consistently and being able to deliver high end fantasy production on a regular basis. Now, you know, they're going to be going with a sort of uncertain running back situation. You know, what are we going to get out of Cam Akers, what are we going to get out of Darrell Henderson? Who's going to be the guy that leads that backfield? For fantasy, you know, there's just a lot of question marks. It makes me wonder, are the Rams going to even win games in this division? They have a tough schedule uh, per Warren Sharp's strength of, you know, schedule per, per Vegas. You know, they have one of the toughest schedules that you're going to find defensive efficiency-wise. It, it For me, I'm just not looking at this Rams team as a team that has got an up arrow. There's other teams in this division that I think do have that very same up arrow and a guy like golf just hasn't shown me the ability to be a game changer. You know, he's more of just like a top secret game manager to me. I got, I just don't, I don't believe he's that guy. The one that is going to take you to change your franchise fortunes.
1: Game manager is an insulting thing. And call somebody, especially when the, what is a, we don't care about their contract, but he's got a ridiculous contract, right? Like you normally don't, don't pay a guy that much and then call him a game manager. Is that a fair take? Is that reasonable? I mean, I mean, look, I mean, if this this guy has had opportunity after opportunity
3: to, to like sort of tell me that he's going to be the guy that's going to be able to put the team on his back and shoulder games, which you know don't get me wrong, the guy has played well at times. It's just that, I, you know, I'm, after a certain amount of time here with Golf, I just don't get the sense that this is, you know, this this is a good player. This is more in the mold of like an Alex Smith than someone like, uh, you know, your your Tom. I hate to use Tom Brady or Peyton Manning as the cliches, but that's really what we're talking about here. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's just more of a guy who can help you win football games, but he's not going to be the sole primary reason for those victories, in my opinion.
1: Barry, you finding yourself landing on Goff in your drafts. It uh, looks like he's being picked around the likes of, uh, I guess, Roethlisberger, Stafford, Garoppolo. Is that reasonable as far as the grouping he's in?
2: Yeah, I mean, I prefer Stafford. I really like Stafford out of that group. Big Ben, uh, we know there's a ton of upside. We've talked about them. I'm, I'm going to disagree with Jamino there here. I, I don't love Jared Goff, but I, I, would, I would not call him a, a game manager either. You look at – down the stretch last season. And a lot of this maybe he just hopped on Tyler Higby's back and went for a ride. But we're talking about 11 touchdowns in the last five games, multiple touchdowns in every one of those games, at least 280 yards, a 400-yard game in there. And I know a couple of those games against Arizona, so you have to take it with a little bit of an asterisk. But you look at the surrounding cast, and sure, they lost Brandon Cooks, but Cooper Cup, everybody's got him as a top 12 to 15 receiver. Robert Woods is a sleeper for a lot of people, including myself. Uh, The aforementioned Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett coming back in the mix. They add Cam Akers uh, to go with Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown. So there is some weaponry here. Now, the offensive line can't be any worse, and I I hate (laughs) to use that cliche, but they have to be somewhat better here. But uh, even if it is Cam Akers, a, a guy who's used to a bad offensive line, I just think that Jared Goff, a little bit underrated. I'm not going to vault him above the the Staffords, the, the Matt Ryans, the big Ben's of the world. But when you do get down into this range of quarterbacks, I think there's much more upside in a guy like Jared Goff than a, a Jimmy Garoppolo type, uh, you know, some of those names. So I do think this offense can be better. We saw him really take a step forward uh, in the 2018 season and take a step back. But those last five games were encouraging, and I do think there is some upside here with this offense and with Jared Goff, especially if you, you pair him up with a cup, with a woods. I think
1: that's a sneaky little pairing there. Beer, the the running back situation, uh, Akers, Henderson, Brown, uh, is somebody going to separate themselves from the pack or is this going to be mucked up all year? Are you just throwing your hands up? What are we doing? In my opinion, it should be Akers, but uh, I'm more so
2: throwing my hands up here. If, if I knew he was the guy, I'm very comfortable taking him at ADP. I've seen him go anywhere fourth to sixth round. Uh, some people really like him and grab him early. I'm more of a fifth rounder on Cam Akers, but, you know, Daryl Henderson, you know, do they believe in him? Are they just casting him aside? We've seen them want to force Malcolm Brown in there. Seems to me this is going to be a timeshare, whether it's two backs or even worse if it's three backs, that's really going to leave you scratching your head. So more so hands off as much as I wanted to be Cam Akers. I'm more targeting the Robert Woods uh, and Cooper Cups here and then the tight ends late than so the running backs.
1: Yeah, Jamina, when you consider you know where you have to draft these guys as far as the running backs, uh, who's your favorite, if anybody?
3: Oh, they're all my least favorite. I I think when you talk about trying to take a, you know, a running back like Akers, I mean, you would prefer if the situation doesn't have consolidated share that the running back has like absolutely special traits. Now is Cam Akers capable of production? I think he probably is. I I do think that he lacks like, you know, the kind of traits you see from like a, a Jonathan Taylor or the, you know, I hate to, you know, Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott or something like that. You know, you're talking, you're not talking about those guys. You're sort of just talking about a good, but not great player on paper. We haven't seen him do it in the NFL. So, so you're asking, you know, sort of a lackluster to poor offensive line. You know, maybe they can improve from last year, but you're certainly not talking about a top tier unit in this league, as as far as we know. And then you're asking Acres to go ahead and then take, you know, transpose that. Hey, I didn't have a good offensive line in college, and make that happen again in the National Football League. It it just seems like a lot. And then you've got you know Jabroni, Malcolm Brown, and freaking. <laughs> you know, Henderson, who also hasn't shown us that he's anything special that are also going to be mixing in for work. And it just, it, it just seems like they could be facing some pretty difficult down and distant situations, which plays into my dislike of golf.
1: So last year was kind of tricky trying to figure out receivers for Now we're down to the two main guys, you know, we got to, we have a cup, of course, and I guess I'm contractually obligated. I got to say Bobby Trees, right? You have to, I mean, you're doing a show, you're hosting a show, you must say, you got to be cool with the kids. So they can relate. Uh, Robert Woods, uh, do you have a take as far as either those two? Uh, any interest as far as throwing a dart at Reynolds as far as the receivers, do you know? No, Josh Reynolds, I think when you look at, you know, how they lined up last year,
3: you know, they, they started running two tight end sets. And we saw that with Higby towards the end of last year. And I know, you know, the concern with Josh Reynolds is like how many snaps is he going to get? And then beyond that, it, you know, when he does get snaps, is, is this guy really going to get like supreme opportunity? I mean, last year, Jared Goff, like, you know, he had a million attempts. Like, I mean, is this team going to see, even see the same kind of passing volume that they saw last year to even give Rent Reynolds the kind of numbers that he had? And then to boot on top of that, you mentioned Cup and Woods, you know, dominating the share from the wide receiver position in that offense. You know, I do think both those guys are probably going to get consolidated share, which makes them interesting for fantasy. You know, I, I, don't, I don't dislike either one of those guys just because of that opportunity you would expect. Woods is the cheaper option. I do like him a little bit better. But, uh, Other than that, though, Josh Reynolds is a pass for me, and i would prefer Woods over Cup purely because of the value.
1: Uh, Beer, your thoughts as far as the receivers, and then let's bring in Higby. You kind of mentioned him a couple times, and uh, I've not been drafting best ball, but I know you guys have. I feel like uh, what I'm seeing on Twitter, his value has been uh, soaring a bit. He's been jumping, depending on where you're looking, obviously. Uh, Is that justified, Beer? That's the big question: do, do we trust the
2: the last five game sample where he went on a tear, or do we trust the beginning of the year where Gerald Everett was a starter over Tyler Higby? So yeah, you you get a range of opinions on, on both sides. I think both guys are going to play, and that kind of leaves Josh Reynolds, you know, holding the bag. And then you have to ask yourself as well on Cooper Cup. We saw when they went to more two tight end sets, he couldn't play as much as in slot, and it really affected his targets and his numbers. He was scoring touchdowns, but the yards were not there. So. Bob trees is the guy that I'm definitely looking at who is, you know, he can put up numbers in a lot of different ways. We know they give him the ball out of the backfield. uh, The jet sweeps can give you a couple rushing touchdowns, not a big touchdown score in general, but uh, I think his value better uh, than Cooper cup. As far as Higby goes, I'm not as high as people seem to be. I mean, I've seen him go as high as tight end five, six, you know, right after you kind of get through uh, right after Ertz, basically you start getting into that Hunter Henry territory. He generally goes in that realm. I'm not that excited about him, so he's a guy. If he falls, okay, but I'd rather wait and take my boy Hayden Hurst than, than hope we get 16, 15, 14 games of what we saw to Tyler Higby at the end of the year. So, not ecstatic about him. Robert Woods, the guy I really want from this team. Jamino, Higby or Ingram? I'm gonna take,
3: I'm gonna take Higby, but it's it's barely, and I'm I'm really not trying to draft either one of those guys, to be honest.
1: Hurst or he's more of a, Hur- a
3: yeah he falls back a little bit Hurst I like I, I think I think Hurst definitely has you know the pretty secure role in that offense that makes me like him a lot better than Higby at this moment in time
1: I'm a terrible host I forgot to ask about uh, Adam Thielen I just kind of like skated over him you guys have a taken Thielen we can walk back for a second as far as Minnesota anybody feel, feel free to jump in like he's good I think he's
2: very undervalued right now. Uh, people are kind of writing him off too quickly. And of course you have to worry about the injuries and, you know, if he's the only show in town, you have to worry about him facing the, You know, the, all the best corners, the best coverage is out there, but I think he's a guy that can handle it. A guy that can utilize uh, in the slot outside. He's proven he can be valuable in either of those roles. And, and that's kind of the worry with Justin Jefferson. A lot of his production uh, came from the slot. So if they're using these two tight ends, he has to play more outside. Uh, can he answer the bell here? So I think Thielen, a, a, a guy that I seek out when I get you know, ten to go, mid fourth, early fifth, and some drafts. Uh, really haven't seen him in the third yet. So I think there's some meat on that bone in the fourth, fifth round. And Adam Thielen, big fan.
1: Yeah, Jamila, your thoughts? Like he might see more opportunity, more balls thrown his way, but also efficiency might drop as well too, because there's nobody else on the field. Uh, what are you doing with Thielen?
3: I think it's pretty hard to to lose your fantasy draft. Uh, you know, in the third round, unless you just draft someone who's just not going to do much for you at all, and I think Thielen's a good value because he's very unlikely to just do nothing for you. I just think that there's, you know, there's such a good chance of him being targeted every single game, five, six, seven, eight, nine times that it seems like he's a good value for what the, the price point you're getting asked. You know, third, fourth round for him seems like a place where you're just not going to get burned if you go Thielen over some other more risky options and. So I do like him as one of the better values of the draft. And I also want to tack something on to Bobby trees. I mean, the guy scored three touchdowns last year and it's just a situation where you get, if you get that number of targets you know, in which you could probably fairly expect in 2020 yet again, it's unlikely that you're only going to score three times. I mean, you know, only Julio Jones does that. So <laughs> I think, I, I, I think some touchdown luck could, could fall in his favor this season and really help him. Even if, the offense isn't as spectacular. So, overall, just as fantasy draft values where you can sort of build that core of wide receivers early, uh, you know, in, in, in rounds three, four, five, six, you know, th- those are two guys I think are two of my favorites of the
1: entire thing. Hey, Barry, you want to talk about your Packers? Uh, do we have to? I mean, they're on, as, they're as long on the as, don't,
2: as long as we don't talk about the disaster of a draft, which I know <laughs> we're going to talk about here because we're talking Aaron Jones. But uh, sure, Dean, let's hit on my Packers while we're
1: here. Yeah, well, uh, Aaron Jones, are you drafting him right now currently? Is he being drafted too high, being drafted too low? Is he drafted uh, just right? Well, what, are your, what are your thoughts as far as Aaron Jones?
2: I actually think the hate has gone too far. You know, it's been a lot of, you know, we're going to hear the, the touchdown. He can't possibly score 18 touchdowns or 20 touchdowns. I, I don't need him to score 20 touchdowns. So, so let's put that out there first. Of course, that number is going to come down. Uh, A.J. Dillon is going to come in and steal all the goal line work. Aaron Jones, let's be honest, one of the best running backs in the league. When they get close, very crafty and finding his way into the end zone. So why would they take that away? Now you have to say, well, oh, this coaching staff has not shown themselves to be a top-of-the-line coaching staff, so maybe that is a concern. But I do still think there is some value here uh, with Aaron Jones. With, as far as he's gone, as far as he's fallen, I don't think it's all justified. Yes, you're going to come back down on some of these numbers, but – I don't think it's as simple as A.J. Dillon plugs in and steals all the touchdowns here. I still think Aaron Jones, a candidate for double-digit touchdowns, can be very explosive in the passing game as well. And I expect this offense to be a little bit better, even though they didn't really add much to it. I hope. Maybe that's just the fan in me that they're going to be better. But uh, Aaron Jones, I think, is a value. First round, I have an issue with that. But if he's there in the second round, I have no issues pulling the trigger on him there.
1: Let's play the game. Feel free to chime in if you disagree, Jimino. Uh Aaron Jones or Eckler here? I'm going Jones over Eckler. Uh, Drake.
2: Drake
3: Kenyan over
1: Drake. Jones. Jamino, then you wait. I'm he's answering fine.
3: that one. It's, it's freaking Kenyon Drake, man. Drake over
2: deep. Jones. I, I was getting there.
3: <laughs> Jamino uh, loves Sanders? him
2: some Drake, man. He, he's he's going to be up in his top five here soon. Miles Sanders? Uh, Sanders, but very close. You know,
3: oh, I'm that I'm easily Sanders for me. I I, I mean, I think I think Aaron Jones is, is is a good player. I have some concerns about what's going on there in Green Bay, but they have a great offensive line. So uh, that being said, situationally, Miles Sanders is more likely to get the work.
1: Yeah, which is something that a sentence that people don't say often about Miles Sanders. That's one of the big concerns about him. You know, at least that whole Philadelphia situation. Uh, let's talk about Demonte Adams. I, well, you know, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's too bad that uh, Cardi's not here because he has some takes as far as Aaron Rodgers. But, Beer, can you play the role of Cardi or maybe not? Because uh, is he good? Is he average? Is he just washed? What's the deal with Rodgers? I, I think
2: he's still good. Is he elite? To see the guy putting up 40 touchdowns and the gaudy numbers, I, I think that guy uh, is long gone. But uh, is he as bad as people want to dig the grave and get rid of him? No. So, somewhere in the middle, you know, he, he's a guy. I question the level of upside here. As much as I expect this offense to be better, it's not going to be the the 30-point-a-game offense that we saw in years past. You know, They want to establish the run. We saw the defense play a little bit better in that NFC Championship game, but over the course of the season, at least they had a semblance of a defense. So I just don't think there's going to be enough opportunity for him to put up huge numbers because it's Devontae Adams and then it's, you're looking around and, you know, I know Jamino used the Travolta, so I'm going to use the same thing. Like, where is everybody? I mean, I think Alan Lazard could be a value uh, later in drafts. Uh, you know, a lot of talk on some of the other receivers. I'm not as interested in the, the valdez Cantlings and the Fonches of the world. Lazard uh, is the target there. But uh, legit Devontae Adams, uh, there's a case for him to be the number one receiver, and I think he can be that over Michael Thomas. The issue wow. is – one concussion away from maybe never playing again. So uh, that's definitely a concern, but with no other viable targets, I, I don't see any reason why this guy can't lead the league in targets this season. So love Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers kind of falls in that, you know, that middle ground of, of quarterbacks where you're kind of like, eh, whatever. I think there's more upside in guy like Daniel Jones, as much as I hate to say it as a Packer fan. So pretty much hands off with Aaron Rodgers, but love the Valley and Aaron Jones if he falls far enough. And I have no issues taking Devontae Adams mid to late first round once those big running backs come off the board. Jamino, are
1: you ready to put a red tag in the locker and, and Rodgers, or are you, you still rolling him out there?
3: Yeah, yeah, he's getting the red tag from me. I, I mean, I think that it, it's surprising where he's going in drafts, but I kind of think it's where he should be going right now. The identity of this team is just going in the wrong direction, at least from all the smoke signals we're getting. You know, we have one of the best wide receiver draft class that you can find and they, they go and they just fade the entire thing I mean it's gonna be a situation with Trubisky where you look at you know they could have had Mahomes like just think about the guy I think we're gonna be having that conversation a couple years think about the guys that could have been on the Packers and you just name you name one of the guys this year probably one of those guys is going to be in that conversation but then you look at how you know they want to structure with personnel they're probably going to run bigger packages they're probably you know they're. Not letting Aaron Rodgers have quite the same level of freedom at the line. They're drafting big, bruising backs in you know in high draft with high draft picks to try to get that sort of NFC North identity. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a guy who had his success a lot of times playing out of structure, running around out there, you know, extending plays, you know, finding those guys deep down the field. And we're just not going to see as much of that. They certainly don't have the personnel to be doing that. I mean, for as much as you can like Alan Lazard or Devin Funchess, those just they don't really fit the mold. Of of the Jordy Nelsons that are just you know making it happen after the play's normal duration has expired. So for me, that when you take that away from Aaron Rodgers, he's not nearly as exciting. The offensive identity is going to be crap, and I'm just not that interested in taking him unless I'm getting him for dirt, dirt cheap.
1: If I'm hearing you correctly. It almost sounds like you're suggesting the Packers are setting Rodgers up for failure. Is that what I'm hearing?
3: It, again, no, because they're going to win games. Like I think that the like they're not Despite really setting themselves. him up for. For fantasy failure, yes. Okay. For actual failure, probably not. Do you see Adams as a potential number one receiver this year? Of course. I mean, there's no way you can look at that opportunity and, and shake your head at it. I mean, the guy the guy certainly has proven that he can get it done without additional options on the team. And Aaron Rodgers just knows how to work with his top guy and knows how to, to place the ball where he can get it and, and really understand the timing of certain situations and routes. I'm just just not seeing any situation where a guy like – like Adams who can both catch in contested situations and create separation is just going to be a poor fantasy pick. I mean, he's clearly one of the guys that you should be looking at if you're taking a wide receiver early. Adams or Tyreek? I like Tyreek Hill for best ball drafts because I think that you can get, you know, like the the pure ceiling with Kansas City is like a, you know, 50-plus touchdown season and and Tyreek Hill is just absolutely ham. But uh, I do think Adams is overall the better fantasy pick.
1: Beer Adams, or Tyreek, and then uh, your your favorite like non uh, Adams receiver on the Packers at the wrist one.
2: Uh, it would be Lazard, but that you're you're late and you're 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 a couple beers in at that point when you're looking <laughs> at Alan Lazard. So uh, let's make that clear. I'm not going to reach for him if he falls far enough. And you really don't recognize any of their names. Uh, Alan Lazard has shown some flashes uh, of a guy that has Aaron Rodgers trust, and that's half the battle with these Green Bay wide receivers. As soon as you miss a few assignments or run the wrong routes, you're in the doghouse, you're out. He seems to have a good connection uh, with Alan Lazard. So a lot of that is superficial, but important when you talk, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. So uh, as far as Adams versus Tyreek, I agree completely with Amino. I think Adams is the better player in a season-long format. I think you're going to get more consistent weeks out of Adams. But best ball, you're going to get those big spike weeks out of Tyreek. So I still go Adams over Tyreek, but it's a lot closer for me in best ball.
1: Does anybody want to sell me on Sternberger?
2: He's intriguing. You know, That now you're talking b- below like Irv Smith and, and Ebron, and then you're really in the, the dusty section of the tight ends, and you're really rolling the dice. I mean, we don't know a lot about this guy. Very athletic coming out of college. Uh, didn't play last season, so coming back from injuries, they haven't really utilized the tight end much. You know, I, I think that's somewhat of a fallacy that, you know, people go back to the, to the days of Jermichael Finley and some of the tight ends. Uh, that put up some numbers for the Packers, but all in all, they really haven't utilized that position a ton. So you're really throwing a dart a- on him and maybe it's the lack of other weaponry that, that makes him viable. Uh, yeah. I think that's the, the intrigue. So uh, when you get super late, sure I'm stacking, maybe I throw him on the end of a roster, but not a guy that I'm seeking out.
1: What are your thoughts there, Jimino? You have anything to add on as far as Sternberger?
3: Not really. He's just sort of a guy for me. I mean, I, I, I can see where you're buying a good amount of opportunity for a low price and not being valuable and fantasy. But just if you if you're asking me to get excited about it, this <laughs> is not this is not what we're talking about when we're talking about excitement. We're we're talking about a deep tight end. Uh, move on, Dean. This is
1: boring. You know what's going to get you excited? The pants are coming off. It's the Titans. Uh, AJ <laughs> Brown's exciting, right? You know, you get excited. AJ Brown is he's exciting. That's but for is that sure. built into like his draft spot? How exciting he is?
3: Yeah, it's it's. Probably built in too much. Yeah. I, I, I think that. that, you know, again, I'm going to keep repeating myself about opportunity. I mean, you're you're requiring a pretty insane amount of efficiency when you project this offense to be one of the lowest volume offenses in the entire National Football League. They certainly play in a division where they're probably going to be set up to have a bunch of games where they aren't really required to uncork 35, 40, 45 pass attempts in a game. Ryan Tannehill has pretty much shown us that he's a better quarterback when he's not asked to throw it a ton of times. I, I don't think that Ryan Tannehill will replicate his efficiency. This, You know, the cast around A.J. Brown from a receiver standpoint, it, it doesn't it doesn't absolutely jump off the page. And while I think he's one of, he's one of those guys, he's one of those guys we're going to be talking about for years as one of the top fantasy wideouts in the league, I, I just think the, sit, the situation doesn't really call for him to have, you know, like mega volume. So I at his price point in the draft, that's where I would – you looking for players where I think have that sort of high volume offense upside and I'm going to sort of maybe try to take a pass on AJ Brown go for the Seattle wide receivers instead
1: yeah that's kind of my thought process as well like I love the player I love the talent but uh I don't love the opportunity necessarily I don't love the offense I don't love his quarterback I don't love where I have to draft him Uh, beer I I imagine I feel like people are going to reach on Brown maybe I'm wrong in that you're drafting I'm not what are your thoughts love the player
2: love 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 the player and when I remember when he got drafted to Tennessee you know doing rookie drafts and dynasty leagues it was like (laughs) but it showed that he can you know can work through that and and did put up some numbers but that efficiency like Jamino mentioned can they do that again absolutely not it it seemed like they scored a touchdown every time that they drove the field The, the field goal kicker was rendered useless there so I honestly, as much as I do love him, I think he's one of the most overdrafted players right now. So you want a hot take, that's a hot take. A.J. Brown should not be in the third round, and you have guys like Terry McLaurin, D.K. Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, names that are drafted way after him that have a similar level of not only floor, but probably more upside just with the the type of offenses that they're in, especially Calvin Ridley uh, in that Atlanta offense. So as much as I like him, seeing him go in the third round, uh, is absolutely atrocious. I mean, we talked to Adam Thielen. I'd rather have Adam Thielen. I just rattled off a bunch of names. So, A.J. Brown, again, much as I love the player, one of the most overrated players right now in these drafts.
1: Yeah, the reason why it's not great that receivers they run the ball a lot. They run the ball with Derrick Henry. Just got paid today. Congratulations to him. Uh, Beer, uh, your thoughts as far as Henry? It looks like he's being drafted right right around the Kamara. Uh, I guess, right, right before Mixon. Is that sound about right for you? Yeah, he's he's in that top
2: seven-ish, seven, eight range. So, he's look, he's always a guy that I've kind of stayed away from because he doesn't give you much uh, in the passing game. But at the same point, you, you say the touchdowns are what he banks on. Well, he tends to get double-digit touchdowns every season. So, I still struggle taking him in ppr league. If it's half PPR, I feel a little bit better about it. So, really understanding uh, your scoring settings. We know he's going to get the ball a ton. We know he's going to score double-digit touchdowns. But – if he's not giving you anything in the passing game, really hard for me to pull the trigger there. So, where he goes, I tend to pass on him. I'd rather have Mixon. I'd rather have some of those higher end wide receivers, even uh, than Derrick Henry, the Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams of the world. So, pass for me, but I've been wrong on him a lot. You know, I, I, I've avoided him. He's burned me, he's put up these huge numbers. Can we get him to do it in the, the beginning of the season? What, what's with the only uh, – only in December he goes on a mission here. So The, the playoffs matter. He it, doesn't blow playoffs. It sure does, and that's where I'm you know holding the hat because I don't have him. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's December, and I don't have Derrick Henry on my teams. But what about the eight weeks before that? How is Darrington Evans going to work into this mix here? I mean, you still have to think this is Derrick Henry's backfield. They just paid him a lot of money. I still hesitate taking him fifth, sixth, seventh where he's going. Jimeno,
3: Henry. Look, he's just not going to have that many games where he has 40 yards. I mean, <laughs> it, compared to the other fantasy picks on the Tennessee Titans, you, you know that picture of Derrick Henry standing next to Mark Ingram, where he just looks like he just looks like a giant by comparison. That's pretty much the comparison of Henry to the other fantasy plays on Tennessee for me right now. I think you, you're not certainly getting any kind of value, I and mean, you're not going to necessarily win your fantasy you know league just because you drafted Derrick Henry in the first round big deal you, you great you you drafted a guy who's going to get like 400 carry <laughs> good but you know just at the same time they have one of the easiest schedules in the entire league that division sucks and Derrick Henry is just going to get a boatload of opportunity especially near the goal i mean it's just hard to find a play like anything to really hate about him Uh, you're probably not going to see him just absolutely run people over for 200 yards every single week. I mean, it seemed like that was happening towards the end of last year, but at the end of the day, volume is king and he's going to get a ton. You have to like it.
1: So if you like Henry, you probably don't like Tannehill so much.
3: No, I, I, I don't like Tannehill mostly because of the volume situation. And also because I think he outperformed last year. I just don't think he can sustain that kind of efficiency.
1: Yeah, I mean, he got paid, too. Congratulations to him. But I feel like that Tennessee might regret that contract. Uh, your thoughts, Beer? quickly, as far as uh, Tannehill? I, I don't dislike him as much uh, as Jamino seems to. He
2: gives you a little bit with his legs, you know, and, and at that point in the draft, there's not a lot, you know, you get a lot of pocket passers and you're, you're talking Phillip Rivers, uh, guys like that. So if you can give me a little bit of upside with your legs, I know the efficiency will not be there like we saw last season. But I think it's to still be a pretty good offense here. Derrick Henry can open things up for the passing game with all the attention that he garners. So uh, don't love him, but I don't hate him as much as Jamino does.
1: Here, A lot of people tried to make it happen last year. I guess he had his moments. john Smith.
2: I'm interested. I I've always been a big fan and it can take tight ends two, three, four years to to kind of come in and get acclimated and, and really find their footing. And now you get rid of Delaney Walker who was kind of the big uh, roadblock there for years. And, uh, they've shown they'll get creative with Jonu Smith. I mean, it wasn't it a playoff game? Took a handoff for sixty some yards. So uh, I think there is some upside now. The the offense and where are all these targets going to come from, I think, is the question. But really hard to question the talent there.
1: Yeah, Jimino, still just twenty four years old. Looks good in the uniform. Uh, your thoughts as far as Jonu Smith? Dean, any take
3: I'm going to give you on Jonu Smith is also going to be as boring as the Jay Sternberger take that I would have on court here. Oh, he's Sorry. better than Jace. Come on. <laughs> I he's look he's more exciting than Jace, no no doubt. But I I just I just can't get excited about any of these guys. I mean it's just like whatever. Like uh, I I know I know you I know that it's important. Every pick in the draft does matter. I think if you're drafting towards the end of drafts and you have waited on the tight end, you know Smith's a fine option. But there's there's no way I could sit here with a straight face and say that with any certainty that this is the kind of play that's that's going to be a difference maker. I don't know.
1: I want to ask you about so. Corey Davis just to tilt you. Like, yeah, you'll get the old man like screaming at the yes. crowds. You, wait, you want you like Corey Davis?
2: Oh, I got him in the 19th round in the Scott Fish Bowl. So it's it's <laughs> how the mighty have fallen from a, a top five pick in the NFL draft to at that point. Like I said, dusty eyes like there's a name I know, like why not at that point? So I'm not taking him in the 10th round, but 19th round, I mean can we write the guy off? Probably. But the, you know, these, he keeps you hanging on, you know, pulls me back in. He shows little flashes. So I go back to the targets, uh, you know, AJ Brown clearly leader. If John Who's going to take a step up, but there's not a lot of running back targets. So maybe there is enough targets where he can give you enough value in a best ball league. Give me three, four decent
1: spike weeks. And I think he can pay off his price pretty easily okay well just thinking of the godfather you're a little once you're out uh cory davis he pulled you back, he, back he's in he's too cheap um too cheap. we'll move on Jamino. i know i want to ask you more about more titans you hate <clears throat> there's not many left on the list i want the Jamino cory davis take here while we're i think
2: talking, we got it talking boring players i mean i, I gotta hear this <laughs> we just talked about
3: how like one, one of like the studliest Like Adonis, WRs in the entire league, you know, guy who's going to be the future of the league. AJ, I don't even like him. Like, what am I going to say about Corey
1: Davis? The guy's. I
2: mean, third round, 19th (laughs) round. I mean, it's.
1: He stinks. Move on. I just pulled his player profile, by the way. His best comparable is another guy that disappointed. Jordan Matthews, remember him? Out of Vanderbilt? There you go. There you go. All right, Uh, let's move on, Dean. I thought he was going to be a thing. Uh, Baltimore, Ljax, What do we think of Lamar in comparison to Mahomes, Jamino? This is sexy. Come on, Lamar Jackson. What do you have for me?
3: Easiest fade in the entire fantasy drafting. You're Ooh. we're not, we're not, we don't draft quarterbacks where you draft Lamar Jackson. You know, it, you're you're paying the peak price for a for like a, a a rarity season. Now, I grant you, he's probably going to do well again this season. He's probably going to have a big you know fantasy season, and we've never seen a quarterback with this kind of combination of passing ability and tremendous rushing upside. So this has nothing to do with whether or not I like Lamar Jackson. It's everything to do with roster construction for me. Like how am I going to justify passing up on some of the backs that I think will give you high ceiling in best balls and, and, you know, and really just gamble on the quarterback position that early. I don't think it's a common strategy among players that they really want to go out of their way and find Lamar Jackson early. So you're, I think you really need a big discount and I don't think you're going to ever get it so for me I'm just going to be off Lamar Jackson in drafts I just I don't I don't see how you're buying at the absolute peak of his value and there's there's no telling you know what could happen it's the NFL it's covid season like anything could happen here with the with the Baltimore Ravens and with Jackson that would change how we feel about him and we'd be drafting a quarterback in like the second round
1: yeah I mean you get a quarterback and a running back in one to be fair but I hear what you're saying as far as lineup construction. Beer, when do you consider like going into a draft? At what point do you say, like maybe you're going in? I don't want to draft Mahomes. I don't want to draft Jackson. I, I want to, you know, pick a quarterback later. Lineup construction. When at what point is, is like Jackson still there where you say, you know what? We have to now consider it. And it's an important
2: point because you, you I do go into drafts with that mindset, but you have to be able to adjust on the fly. And if they fall far enough, you know, I don't have a problem taking them if Lamar Jackson's still there. End of the third, I'm on the three four turn, which is not going to happen. I, I'm just that's about the point it would take me to say, okay, right now, or I don't like any of the names on the board, I'm, I'm going to pull the trigger here. So I think those are the two scenarios, or you predetermine coming in, I'm going to build me a Baltimore stack in one of these huge best ball tournaments that they keep telling me are coming that aren't coming. But when they do, <laughs> that's a scenario that I would take him where I say, you know what, I'm going to grab him in the second round. I'm going to team him up with, with a Hollywood Brown, a Mark Andrews, whatever it may be. That's when I'm going to take Lamar Jackson. But for the most part, I don't really build teams like that. I don't predetermine things when I go in. I kind of let the draft come to me. So if he falls far enough, sure. But I agree with Jamino. I mean, can he replicate that that historic season? History tells us no. There, there's going to be some some coming back to the mean here for Lamar Jackson. And I agree, Dean. He gives you the running ability. You get a, a quarterback and a running back in one. But, Uh, Some of the numbers, I don't know that he can replicate the touchdowns through the air specifically. I know on the ground, probably should have scored more touchdowns, but now J.K. Dobbins there as well with Mark Ingram. Are there going to be as many running opportunities? The schedule's not going to be as favorable. So uh, just a lot of question marks. A, don't draft quarterbacks early. B, uh, Lamar Jackson I think is going to be overdrafted just based on last year. You're always going to have a guy, in whatever draft you're in, that's going to pay that premium price. Let
1: somebody else do it. Jamino, the concept of stacking was mentioned. It just kind of reminded me of that Baltimore team. It's just I hated stacking with them because it's just they had so many different guys who can do so many different things. And Hollywood Brown would, you know, catch his 80-yard pass in the first play of the game. It's like, yeah, well, he only had 30% of the snaps the previous game. Doesn't matter. He's already paid himself off. You don't know which tight end's going to score. Of course, uh, Horst is gone. Andrews is now vaulted up to, what, the number three tight end overall. Uh, Ingram is the main back, but there's other backs lurking as well, including Dobbins. I just I, – I, I did not enjoy picking the peripheral pieces there on Baltimore. Uh, is that my problem or should I reconsider? Because, you know, now Andrews is the third best tight end in football apparently. Uh, let's start with Andrews, Jimena. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's another guy. Again, you're, you're buying at the peak price, so it's, it's difficult for me to have a strong feeling about drafting Mark. I mean, of course you want to have a. I mean, Mark Andrews, if you can get him at a, at a price that you would, you would deem to be fair – that you deem to be advantageous for the overall, you know, you know, fantasy expectation of your best ball roster, but I, I you know, I just don't think that you're going to be able to get the right price most of the time. I, I grant you that, you know, they got rid of Hurst, and so that's just one less piece. You know, Nick Boyle isn't nearly the same. You know, Charles Scharf, not nearly the same kind of threats to any kind of receiving work that you would expect at the tight end position for a team that is going to definitely use the tight end in the passing game. Andrews can get down the field vertically, which gives you explosiveness. And that really does help when you don't really find that very often at the tight end position where you can probably get some deep touchdowns. Uh, He's, you know, he's for sure going to be one of the very top options in the red zone for Jackson. They are going to score touchdowns. So I do like him in in a vacuum. I just think price considered, it's difficult to get there a lot. So I, I can't say he's one of my favorite picks.
2: Here, where are you finding Andrews falling right around the fourth round or so? Uh, he goes the third in some drafts. He, he really is vaulted up. He's kind of taking that, that Zach Ertz spot, you know, or it was, uh, you know, always the big two, then Zach Ertz. He, he kind of fills that bill. So I, I like him a little bit more than Jamino. I mean, this is a guy that wasn't even playing a full complement of snaps. So if that number goes up I and mean, he's targeted an absolute ton when he is on the field, now Hurst, you laugh, you take him out. That's still some targets that are gone. Nick Boyle more of a blocker is going to get some targets, but I mean, outside of Hollywood Brown, who else is there? I mean, miles Boykin a name deep in drafts. You can kind of throw in that, that Alan Lazard and Corey Davis group uh, as a guy we'll see. Uh, DuVernay is, is more of a, a clone of what Marquise Brown gives you at, at a much lower level. So I, I just think the targets can be there for Andrews. So if you're going in, you're, you're looking at Kittle, Kelsey, they tend to go second round. Andrews is available third, fourth round, and and I don't have a problem throwing that dart.
1: Beer, Ingram's a guy that people don't – I don't think people are excited about drafting Ingram. He's got to settle for Ingram, right? He's he's not sexy. He's a veteran now, and he doesn't seem like a guy has a ton of upside, but he also feels kind of safe. Uh, Is that all reasonable? Would you agree with all that? If it's 2019, yes. 2020, I I don't know that we can call
2: Mark Ingram safe anymore. I mean, is this even his job anymore? Yeah. It would not shock me to see him – tossed aside and they're very high on JK Dobbins and the smart money would say, we're going to utilize all these guys. We're going to utilize Ingram. We're going to give Dobbins some carries. We're going to mix in Gus Edwards. Justice Hill might be the guy on the outside looking in. So I just don't know how much upsides with Mark Ingram safe. Sure. But even the floor where he's being picked, I just, not a guy I want. I think he's being overrated. Dobbins goes around the seventh round. The six, seven turn is where I see him feels a little rich. I mean, I, I love him in dynasty leagues. I, I think eventually when this is his backfield, you're really going to start to see him shine. But again, no preseason, no, no information to go off of. We're going in blind. You know, what kind of role is J.K. Dobbins going to have? We don't know that. And if you invest it six, seventh round pick, yeah, whatever, you know, you're not going to lose your draft there. But you know, if, if you, you over invest in them, that, that can hurt your team in the long run.
1: Do you want either piece of this, Jamino, as far as uh, Ingram and Dobbins? Ingram's – they're probably both going around, what, seventh round or so, seventh give or take, more or less the same. Is that right, B? I I got
3: three words here on Mark Ingram. Jonathan Stewart chicken. What, what, what Jonathan Stewart chicken used to be in our home league was you would watch Jonathan Stewart plummet down the draft board and see who was – it was a game of chicken to see who would actually take him. And I think you're with with Dobbins in the mix here. I think you're starting to see a little bit of that with Ingram, where he starts falling down the board. And I lost John Mark Ingram chicken in the in the Scott Fishball, by the way. I drafted him because he fell like like I needed a running back, and he just fell far enough. Where'd you get him? But I didn't. Oh, I, I don't remember. It was like eighth or ninth round or something. Something okay. pretty ridiculous. That's not but bad. I, I didn't. I don't like it. I don't like Ingram. I don't think you can count on much. Uh, you know, especially in a seasonal league where you have to sit, start the guy in best ball. At least you don't have to worry about whether or not he's going to be in the lineup. He'll just get whatever he gives you. But I, I just I can't envision a situation where even if like Dobbins isn't in, in the mix. I mean, you've still like you said, you got Gus Edwards still around. You've got Lamar Jackson for rushing upside. We're we going talk about that. I mean, where's the situation where Mark Ingram's going to win you this win you your fantasy league game? Well, you're, he's not, not going to win it, it,
1: but he might be like a stability piece, and he's obviously not somebody you're wasting like a top seven pick on. That's sort of the thought process. But, yeah, I, I'm not here to sell you on Ingram because Ingram is just like – like I said, you were you begrudgingly picked him. Everybody's begrudgingly drafting Ingram. He's not on everybody's board. Like, I got to get Ingram. Nobody's doing that. He's not a play-to-win
3: pick, but I'll tell you who is a play-to-win pick on this game. They actually kind of have two of them. I think one of them is definitely more play-to-win than the other. Marquise Brown is – he wasn't really fully healthy last season – and you know this this offense was not loaded up with additional options here. So if you're a mark, if you're a believer in the passing ability of Lamar Jackson, and you're a believer that Marquise Brown didn't, you know, like more like the week one Marquise Brown is what we'll see in the future here. Then he's definitely a guy who's he's not like priced tremendously high. I mean, you're getting him seventh, eighth, ninth round a lot of times. Uh, definitely a place where you you're kind of looking to find high upside receivers, and I think that that's a that's a fair place to take a shot in best ball drafts. And I don't think that he's like this, you know. He's not like the the Sean Jackson like archetype. I don't think. I think he could get a little bit of volume in some, you know, in in some universe. I'm not saying that that's what to expect from him, but you know, he's
1: he's a top option in this offense. Period. All right, let's play the game, Jamino Brown versus Will Fuller. I'm taking Will Fuller,
3: but it's close. Oh. Boyd, uh, I'm taking Marquise Brown. I'm not. I'm not that interested in Mark. A lot of people like uh, Boyd this year, but I, I would just rather take. You know, Mark Boyd isn't ne- he's not winning the league for you. I'm sorry. I think Marquise Brown every now and then could win the league for you.
1: Gallup Brown. What do you think here? Beer, you agree with all these? You want to chime in? You want to disagree? I'm going Tyler Boyd over Brown. I, I love Brown.
2: Uh, same reasons he mentioned. You mentioned the ADR touchdowns. And, and yeah, maybe he's not the Deshaun Jackson, but those kind of plays in best ball leagues are very valuable. Now, is Tyler Boyd going to give you that? No, but I do think he's going to give you stability of floor with some upside. I We've talked about that offense. I think they're going to be drastically improved and what can we really count on A.J. Green for? So, Boyd I will go with. I also agree on Fuller. Fuller's one of those guys. We're going to have to talk the Texans in one of these because this <laughs> wide receiver core, I mean, you're really throwing a lot of you know, darts with Fuller, Cooks, uh, some of the other guys there. So, I do like Fuller. If he's healthy, he can be a top 10 receiver. We know that's the issue, but uh, he can put some huge weeks on the board as well. What was the other name? I got Fuller. I got Boyd. Who else? Oh, uh, Gallup. I'll go yeah. Brown over Gall. I do like Gallup. I think is vastly underrated, but I don't think you have to reach for him. I think people have kind of written him off, and uh, you can still get some good value there. So I'll go Brown over Gallup.
1: Was there two guys you said, Jamino? You, you think you can kind of break the slate here? Or did we mention them both? Was there Brown and I'm, somebody else? I'm waiting for the second name.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you go if you go to the Miles Boykin concert, there are plenty of good seats available. Nobody's <laughs> buying tickets to the Miles Boykin show right now. I mean, the guy I – mean, and look, who can blame him? The guy actually played a little bit last year, and he just didn't really get that much done. The way they were – they were dominating in games. They were absolutely kicking people's asses all over the place, and there was no reason to take rookie Miles Boykin and start to schem- schematically in- involve him in the offense. But when you look at the physical traits, you look at the catch radius, you look at – you know, he's got some speed. He's got, you know, a really high speed score. I mean, he's got the ability to do, you know, the downfield stuff, the contested catch stuff, and also work a little bit mechanically, you know, sort of underneath. I think he fits more of that X archetype better than, than, than Brown does. And there's there's a situation where I can see Boykin taking the next step and becoming a more prolific part of this offense, certainly for the draft price. I mean, you're talking about drafting him in like in 18 19 20 I mean like the very end of fantasy drafts I mean he's absolutely you know one of the cheapest players that you're going to find starting for an offense that's expected to be good I'm interested
1: closest comparable on playerprofile.com is Chris Conley for what it's worth uh beer jump in here are you sold on Boykin
2: Uh, I don't know about sold. I'm intrigued by the the upside and some of the points Jamino made. Uh, I mean, this is a talented guy out of Notre Dame. We know that didn't get a ton of opportunities. Also an offense that, you know, it's got clear top two targets and a team that doesn't throw a ton. So he's left with the scraps, but could he be a a seven touchdown guy? I I think he has that level of upside. So uh, at that point in the draft, again, Corey Davis, Lazard, you know, you're, you're hoping for, for crumbs. Can he give you some crumbs late in the draft? I think he can.
1: Five teams down uh for the best ball hot take show. We always have the close strong. Give me something scalding. Who wants to bat first? Who wants to set the set the bar? Right, Jamino's gonna pull out a Miles Boykin top ten here. <laughs> he, he can lead off. You've been called out, Jamino.
2: Look, I I
3: think that Dalvin Cook does not finish as a top ten fantasy running back in 2020. I, I just I just have the feeling right now that the situation is going to devolve there in Minnesota to such a point where we're not looking at Dalvin Cook paying off that price tag at all. He's not even going to be in the top ten.
1: Here is that scalding? I mean, it's it's warm. I don't know if that's scalding, but fair enough. Uh, Not in the top ten. See it and raise it here. I'm going to go Adam Thielen. I'm going to stand that same team top five wide receiver this season. There you go. That's a little hotter. I appreciate that. Uh, We should be back next week. It's under my assumption that we will be. uh, Probably knocking out five more teams. Maybe the aforementioned Houston Texans. That'll be fun times for sure. Uh, With that, thank you for listening to the Best Ball Hot Take Show. That was beer. That was Jamino. That was football. I was Dean. We're out of here. Holler.